Hey, listen, if you're new here or if you're visiting, we want to say welcome. We're so glad that you chose to worship with us this morning. Uh, Just as we kind of move through this season, I know that Thanksgiving is one of those times where we love being with family and friends, and then we're reminded of how much we are grateful for an invention called elastic, right? But also, we are now straining towards Christmas, And as we think about Christmas and what that means to us and and how we can can really involve our families and ourselves and and helping to elevate the the reason for the season beyond just the gifts, right? Because really, there wouldn't be a celebration of Christmas without the greatest gift of all, and that is Jesus Christ. And so as we are mindful of that moving into the season, I just want to encourage you in your prayerfulness and your thoughtfulness, think on how God will continue to use you and develop you and move you towards being a person who helps people to see that Jesus truly is the reason for this season. Now, we're starting a series called Intentional Christmas. And what I want you to think on is this verse here, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. If you can't see that, it says John 15, 12, okay? So think on that and let that kind of be the verse that you hold on to as we go through the next weeks um, and thinking about how we are to be in a world that sometimes is against what we truly believe in Jesus. Now, I wanted to start out with a question, and it's a question that some of you are going to go ahead and say, yep, I have been, and it's this question, have you ever been lost? Now, I'm not asking that in a spiritual sense. I'm asking, have you ever been lost? Right? Not in a, my Google Maps didn't sync right, or my GPS was kind of blitzing kind of a way. Not that kind of a loss, because anybody that's ridden with their dad has been lost before. Right? But dad knew exactly where he was going. That's one tip I picked up. So for those of you that are, that are young dads or hoping to be a dad, here's the thing. You're never lost. You're never lost. You're getting exactly where you want to go in the route that you wanted to go because you wanted to see that thing over there before you went to the place that you really needed to be, right? Yeah? And so that's why we also have good co-pilots that help lovingly at times correct us to go in the right direction. So, So have you been lost? Have you been lost? Lost as in the people who know you cannot find you kind of a way. I want to tell you about uh, when I was five, I got lost. And uh, if any of you have ever been in that type of a situation, you know how crazy that can be. So I was five years old, and we had walked into a, a department store. And like any kid, I saw all the racks of clothes, and, I, and they had those circle ones, you know? And so I thought, that is a great place to go. And so I made a beeline right into one of those circular clothes racks, hiding, kind of chuckling and giggling and, you know, just waiting to maybe scare my family, kind of peek out, looking. Everyone I know is not where I can see them. And they can't see me. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, my, oh my goodness, I'm lost. Oh my goodness, I'm going to starve. I'm going to starve. I didn't have a snack before we got here. I'm going to starve. Do I need shelter? What, what is it that I need? Do, do I need to find a job? 
oh, do I need to find a new family? What am I going to do? But what I did not know, what I did not know about being lost, that, you know, there, there were so many things that I didn't know. Because honestly, it was my first time. It was my first time being lost. But what I didn't know about being lost was that my parents were intentionally seeking me out. It turns out before I realized I was lost, they were just as concerned about me not being where I could be seen by them. They were just as concerned, if not maybe more, about that line of sight thing that you learn to have when you have children, right? They were intentionally looking for me. And I was wondering, can I make a hammock out of t-shirts? Can I, can I eat a t-shirt? So what I didn't know is that they were intentionally seeking me out, and then that they had set out to find me. As I began to fashion this hammock out of t-shirts inside the rack and started to peruse through the want ads to see if there was a job open for me, they were in action and they were looking for me because the thing that I didn't know fully was that they valued me as their son. They were intentionally seeking me because I was valued by them. And, 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 and what I want you to do is I know that we kind of have this whole turkey thing going on right now. So if you're kind of tired this morning, I get it. So I want to give you the bottom line right now, just in case you have to work in a nap during the service. So here's the bottom line. Jesus values people. Be intentional. Jesus values people be intentional. I knew I was valued because my parents intentionally looked for me. I knew that I had value because there was actually an announcement speaking my name. We need to understand what is the, what is the uh, significance of being intentional with other people. If we don't really fully understand that, we're going to miss out on the opportunity for us to see Jesus in them. Did you know that every day, that every single day, you can add value to other people? Have you ever woke up in the morning thinking, how can I add value to others? Or are your thoughts more about how am I going to make it through this day? I want to encourage you to start flipping the questions that you ask. If all of your questions are about how you can be served or how you can be helped, I want to encourage you to learn how to ask questions that ask, how can I add value to others? Because it's in the doing things for others that we find that our own soul is ministered to. That we find when we try to add values to others, we add value to ourselves. Would you like to live a life that matters? And I think every single one of us in here would say, yes, I want to live a life that matters. So what if I told you that if you live a life that matters, in Je when Jesus, when he sees it, he will say, thank you for adding value to me. If you could live a life that added values to others, that Jesus saw you living that life and said, it is adding value to himself, would you do it? Would you seek out to do it? And I'll just answer for you. Absolutely, pastor, I would do that. Now, Jesus, he taught a parable in Matthew chapter 25. That's what we're going to look at today. 
Matthew chapter 25. And as we lean into that parable and read it, I want us to think about how we can be intentional with our actions, how we can be intentional with our thoughts and our lives. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. This is Jesus speaking. He says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. So this is a picture of Jesus as he's, as he's kind of teasing it out for the crowd. He's talking about when the kingdom of God comes, there will be God at his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered around waiting. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So Jesus said, listen, here's what's going to happen. At the very end of time, there's going to be a separation. Those who are known by by their heavenly father will be separated, and they will be given the kingdom of God. The very thing that was established with the very word of creation. And he says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous They're going to need to answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And when did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? And and, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did for one of the least of my brothers, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink, and I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There are two views of this parable, and they're as follows. I didn't know it was you. 
if I had known it was you. <sighs> By the end of the parable, we have people on both sides saying, Lord, I didn't know it was you. The revolutionary idea that we gain from this passage is this. Jesus values people. Jesus values people so much that when we add value to people, he takes it personally. When we see others, he takes it personally. When we care for others, he takes it personally. We should know that Jesus takes it personally because truly, this is what Christmas is all about, that Jesus values people. Jesus became human. Jesus put on our shoes. So let's take a look at that parable again, knowing that the king, that's Jesus, made every interaction personal. He commended those who had their eyes open to see others. He commended those who saw the ones who were hungry around him. He commended those who, who met the need of hunger for a day, for a week, for a month. He commended those who gave water to those who were thirsty. He commended those who saw the ones who felt like no one sees them. He commended those who clothed the ones who were without clothing the ones who visited those who were sick, the ones who were in chains. He commended them because they had their eyes open to see, their eyes open to meet needs. But he rebuked and he separated out those who did not see, who did not see the image of him in others. You see, in this, in this moment, as we kind of pull this, this parable apart, we find out that Jesus is saying, when you see me and others, you do the things that I need for you to do. But when you ignore me and others, you tend to ignore the greatest needs of those around you. The ones here, the ones that were separated out, the ones that, that, who did not see him, they were the ones who were more concerned. They were more concerned with their own things, with the other things, with, with the busyness, with the things that, that, honestly, I just don't have time for this. They were the ones that weren't reflecting on the heart of, of Christ, the ones that weren't reflecting on his values, on, on the heart of compassion that Jesus so much says that we should take on. Jesus basically says, if you see me in people, people will see you, see me in you. If, if you see the image of Christ in others, people will see the image of Christ in you. So what does that mean for us? How can we be sure that we are sheep and not goats? How can we be sure that we're in the first group, the one that sees instead of the one that doesn't see? Well, very first, I just want you, to, want you to ask God in prayer. Ask God to open your eyes so that you can see. This means this Christmas. Maybe more than any other Christmas that you've ever had, that you learn how to be intentional. 
that you learn how to not rush through. How you, that you learn not to wait impatiently in the line with those well-placed heavy sighs. This line will never move. That means that you don't rush the time in the stores, the crowds pressing in. Could you imagine if you took that as an opportunity? It might be one of two things. <laughs> Either it's like parting the Red Sea, right? Or people will be drawn to you. Don't be so impatient in your day that you harm other people around you. A great case in point was just this past week, we went to a restaurant, um, and, and <laughs> there was only one server for the entire section. This guy's running around like crazy, trying the best he can to do everything that everyone needs, and, and man, we are just watching this guy run back and forth, back and forth. He comes back. He apologizes. I forgot this. I'm so sorry. I'll come back, and, and so at the very end of it, as he's coming back with one more, I'm so sorry, I said, listen, you don't have to be sorry. We see what you're doing, and we appreciate what you're doing for us. We took a moment to see him. His name's Hunter. And we saw Hunter, and we said, Hunter, we appreciate all the effort you put in. We noticed how you have worked so hard to, to manage all of these needs. Here, take this as a gift, and we are so thankful, and hope you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. When we take time to just pause and see others, something amazing happens. You look on them with compassion. Because you can ask this question, God, help me to see Jesus in them. So that they can see Jesus. This can be hard because it's really not that natural. Because how do we usually trend when it comes to our lives? It comes down to that me, my, our kind of a thing, right? Our, our sliding scale is always back towards ourselves. It's always getting what we want, what we need, when we want it, when we need it, right? We don't slide out towards being intentional towards others. We, we slide back towards comfort. We slide towards ourselves. We slide towards our wants and our needs. This, for the most part, is an uphill push. It takes intentionality. It takes us pushing towards the things of Jesus in our life, living the gospel in every day and in every way. Because we tend to seek comfort. We tend to seek acceptance, the things that make us feel good, rather than intentionality. So we have to be deliberate. We have to be thoughtful. We have to think on it. We have to think, how can I actually be intentional? How can I actually add value to someone's day? We have to think on it, reflect on it. How did that work out? Was it good? How did it, you know, did they receive it well? You have to be consistent. You have to do it every day. Apparently, you can't make gains if you don't work at it every day. You have to be willful. I have to be so willful. I made a choice. I decided to do this. So how do we do it? How can we see Jesus and add value to people's lives? 
I think there's five things that you can do. They're simple. Anybody can do them. The first one is this, value people. Yes, even those people. The one that cuts you off, right? The one that cut in line, the one that picked up that last ingredient that you needed for your meal. Value people. Yes, even the ones that you think, I don't know if I can do that. Second, think of ways that you can add value. Think of how, how, can, I, how can I be a friend? How can I be a friend to somebody who needs a friend during this time? How can I be an encourager? Now, this is particularly hard if you're known as a complainer, right? It's hard. I mean, we could complain about how hard it is to be an encourager, but that's kind of counterproductive too. How can we be an encourager? Just start small. Hey, you did good today. How can we be a giver? How can we kind of release the hold that stuff has on us? How can we release the hold that money has on us? You know, that that whole feeling of security that we have that comes from having a, a bank account that has, you know, positive numbers in it? How can we be a giver? How can we give of not only our money and our time, but our resources, the things that we own? How can we be a helper? Remember that question? How can I help? How can I leverage me for you? Think of ways that you can add value to someone. And then, after you've thought about it, step three, look for ways to add value. Look for ways to apply what you've thought about. See people. Don't just walk from point to point. Don't just try to get in and get out. Don't just try to kind of fly under the radar. Begin to see people. Notice that faces appear. In those faces, you know what? Those faces have names. See people. Be kind. Smile. You know that it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown? Some of you guys are getting a pretty good workout though, right? Mm. Let's use less muscles in a better way, right? Be generous. Look for ways to be to be to add value. So see people, be kind, be generous. Fourth, do things to add value. So we're thinking about it, we're we're figuring that out, and then we're looking for a way to do it. Now we're going to do it because here's the thing about intentions. Intentions aren't good until they become action. Because we can live our lives having the best of intentions, but if we never act on our intentions, they're never good. So act on our intentions and they become good. And then last, encourage others to add value. Encourage others to add value. So practicing pay it forward. I was just having a conversation with somebody this morning about paying it forward, that they had an opportunity to do so, and they were curious as to what God would have them do with it. And that's an amazing thing to know that someone in their generosity said, hey, I want you to to do something more that I could ever do because you're going somewhere that I don't go. So learn how to pay it forward. And then tell people about it. Tell people about the value that they add to your life and tell them about how you have seen God use you to add value to another's. 
It's not bragging. It's talking about how God is working in our own hearts, how we are leveraging the image of Christ in our own lives and, and igniting it in the lives of someone else and set the example. So do the thing. Stop being well-intentioned. Start doing the things that set the right example. See Jesus in others so that others see Jesus in you. And you know what happens? I think something truly ha- amazing happens when we stop viewing the people that we, that we interact with. And let's, not, let's be honest. I mean, truly, when we're going to the store and it's like crazy busy, are you interacting with people or are they obstacles? right? You're trying to plot your course to the next place, and you're like, oh gosh, I'm not going down that road. I did this the other day at Walmart. I was like, can't go down that road. <laughs> oh, can't go down that way. And I was just, because, and, and truly, it's because of this, because people decide they can take the whole role, right? <laughs> Cart's over here. I'm looking over here. Can I get that down, right? And you're like, well, I can't get by. Anyway, <laughs> So something truly amazing happens, though, when we stop looking at people as obstacles and we start looking up and seeing their face and knowing that that face has a name. And that name, somebody knows their name, not just their mom, their dad, but Jesus knows their name. But they may not know the name of Jesus. And something truly amazing happens when we say, I see you. And I want you to know that Jesus values you. So when people stop becoming obstacles and they start being people, when that face has a name, you know what you've done? You've added value. Jesus sees people. And Jesus is personal. Jesus knows your name. And we are thankful that he does. Jesus knows your name. In fact, he calls you by name. And in fact, at at the end of it all, Revelation tells us that we will be given a new name known only to the Son. Jesus knows you. Let me say that in a different way. Jesus knows you, right? You're like, no. And he still personally saved you from sin. He knows everything about you, and he still personally came to save you from sin. He knows all of you, and he does it, and he still loves you. And he says, if you have in your heart a little bit of that love that I have for you, then you're going to share that love and help someone else be known. Jesus takes it personal when you are intentional with others. And that is how the gospel breaks through in our personal lives. We learn how to be personal, how to be intentional. And I'll tell you, I've told you this before, and I'll tell you a hundred times over, listen, your relationship with God is absolutely 100% personal. If it wasn't, I'd be worried. I'd be worried if you didn't take your relationship with Jesus personally. But your relationship with Jesus has never been, nor should it ever be, private. 
It's not something that you hide. It's something that, oh, what does that thing, uh, that song go? This little light of mine, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, that means that you can't hide it under a bushel. No, right? Because you're going to let it shine, right? So how many times have you hidden the light of Jesus because you didn't want to take the time to know someone? You didn't want to take the time to look up in the busyness of your day. So what I'm asking you to do is learn how to apply the gospel in every area of your life. And this means when you are going about the everyday, daily things that you do, look up. Look out and see that there is someone that you can add value to. Jesus takes it personal when we are intentional with others. Be personal and intentional. Be thoughtful Think on it. Think on it. I mean, some of us have to psych ourselves up to go into a store anyway, right? But think on how can I intentionally engage someone with the good news of Jesus? How can I see the Jesus in them so they can see the Jesus in me? And how can I do this consistently? So my challenge to you over the next weeks is to learn how to be intentional this Christmas, to learn how to put into play things that add value, not only in in the lives of others, but ultimately as you add value to the lives of others, you know what happens? You add value to your own life. It's that wonderful thing that we figured out that it is actually more blessed to give than to receive. When I was a kid, I thought they were lying to me, right? It's obviously better to get all the things. But when you learn how to give a gift and give one well, you truly understand that it is way more, way more life-giving, way more fulfilling, way more valuable to you to learn how to give than it ever has been to receive. So be personal this Christmas. Be intentional. Be thoughtful. Be consistent. Learn how to add value to others. So that's my prayer. That's my prayer for you today.